these stories are incredible. Last week we heard this uh, powerful story of Nicodemus um, coming to Jesus in the middle of the night. This week we get to hear the Samaritan woman. It should come as no surprise as we are in Lent that we are getting these really powerful stories, these potent stories about Jesus' character, which I think is important because this is our most holy time. We're leading up to Holy Week, which is the big one. Jesus' crucifixion, his death, and then his glorious resurrection. Um, What I think in this story that is so profound is the true favor that Jesus shows to the person who he's talking to. The favor, the mercy that he's showing. Um, But I am wondering how many of of you know much about the Samaritan woman? Did you, for, I'll, you know what, I'm a pastor, so I'll just do it. Um, One, one, number one. Did you know this is like the longest conversation Jesus has with anybody in the Bible? This is the longest. He talks with anybody. So you guys did a brave thing by standing through this, so I will give you credit. Two, um, did you know that this woman becomes one of the best evangelists, like tellers of the story ever in the scriptures? It says a whole region, all of Samaria, they come out to see Jesus. People come to believe. People come to hear the story because of her telling the story. That's remarkable. Three. Are you ready? Here's another one. Did you know that this woman is the first person that Jesus says, I am the Messiah to? Anyone know that? You'd think the disciples would know this, but they don't. He has never said this specifically to the disciples. The disciples are following because they're like, this guy is all right. They like him. They want to follow him. They want to be like him. But this woman, longest conversation, greatest evangelist, and also the first one, he says, I am the Messiah. Y'all, this is a very big story. This is a big character in the Bible that we need to give a lot of credit to. This is a very big idea. So we dive in. This woman is, is showing up to get water at the well. And usually when you do this, you would go with a group, but she's alone. Usually you would do this in the morning when it's not so hot. But it says what? It's about noontime when she shows up. So it's super hot. Jesus is super tired. This woman is all by herself, and she shows up to get water at the well. You have had opinions about people before, correct? I'll give you a hint. The parking lot. Uh, Any parking lot. You've had opinions about cars, about the types of cars people drive. Yeah, there it is. There it is. That's it's starting to land. You've had opinions about the people and those things, and you've thought to yourself that, that awful thing where you're like, this bozo, what are they doing? What are they doing? You're not just thinking about the car. You're thinking about the person in the car. You're like, what a dummy. That's true. I heard that. That's true. That's accurate. So we do this. The thing that's about to happen right here, it's presumed that Jesus is going to have an opinion about her, and she definitely has opinions about him. They show up, and they are, hey, give me a drink of water. Look at this bozo. No, Are you supposed to ask me for water? Are you supposed to do this? Another thing Jesus is doing is he's opening himself up for a lot of raised eyebrows because she's by herself and so is he. These are two people that shouldn't be really around each other, especially people alone, man and woman. Ooh, scintillating. 
Back then, that's a real thing. And Jesus is opening himself up to that. But Jesus is, again, throughout this, just talking. She's like, typical. This guy's just talking. She's had five husbands. She knows what's up. She knows what's happening. So she's like, she's asking him the questions. You talk a certain way. You behave a certain way. You're obviously a Judean. But Jesus keeps talking. She treats him accordingly. She even has that line where she says, um, you're, you're, a, you're a prophet. You must be a prophet. Because something about you is clearly odd. You know things about me. And Jesus keeps on talking. And I would say, if you've heard this story, if you guys have heard this story before, we would recognize that this sounds like another Bible story, right? Uh-oh. It does. As like a regular audience, I think that a lot of times as Christians, we don't necessarily see the parallels, but um, there's a clue given that this story has happened before just like this. She says, this is the well of who? Who is it? Jacob, right? My ancestor Jacob. Who is Jacob married to? Does anyone remember? Who here remembers their confirmation stuff? Rebecca. He's married to Rebecca. Where did he meet Rebecca. What? At the well. At a well. So they're like, this is the descendant of Jacob. At Jacob's well. Getting water. How did he meet Rebecca? Rebecca was this woman who just showed up at a well and, and Jacob was told, just ask for a drink and see who will draw water for you. Can I have a drink of water? And they're like, oh, man. Anyone who's listened to this from the Jewish time would be like, oh, man, this is exciting. This is clearly Jesus' bride. But it's a Samaritan woman, so that's weird. And then Jesus continues. She's had five husbands. I'm sure some of you have opinions about somebody who's been married five times. If you met somebody who's married five times, you'd go, that's great. Because you're good Christians. I get it. You'd go, that's good. You found it on the fifth try. Right? There's opinions. People make, make assumptions, and I don't know if they're fair, but here they are. This is no blushing bride like Rebecca. This is somebody who's been wed five times. And whatever that means, whether she's been widowed, there's opinions. Whether she's been left, there's opinions. Whether she's left, there's opinions. Whether she's been given paperwork of divorce, there's opinions. She's been passed along. She's a spare. She's an extra. And Jesus keeps sitting there and talking. This is a different story for some reason. Can you assume over the years how this woman has been viewed? How she's been seen by other people? Tons of assumptions about this woman. Jesus keeps talking to her again and again. He keeps answering questions. He keeps asking questions. Do we notice a trend with Jesus? That Jesus keeps talking and hanging around people that otherwise you'd be surprised he's hanging out with as a teacher, as someone who has followers. Jesus keeps talking. Jesus references her marriages. But he doesn't say them in sort of a critique. He says, you've been married five times. He doesn't see what she does as perceived missteps. What he says is it gets down to it. He says, you belong to God, regardless of where you're from, regardless of your situation. And what it gets to when he says that I am the Messiah is, you are mine. 
you belong to me. And she is moved. She is affected the way that heaps of people are affected by Jesus. Every time they see him, they say, what is it about him? I said it last week. What is it about Jesus that is so compelling? He speaks as someone with authority. He speaks as somebody who cares. And Jesus does this again to the Samaritan woman who is affected by what is happening. And she's moved. I don't see a woman anymore in this story that is oftentimes, we have perceptions about the woman at the well, that she is some person who has made mistakes, wrong, etc., and Jesus redeems her. Jesus sees like this great person. Hear me out. What if Jesus sees this person as great just as she is? Just as she is. Exactly as she is. Samaritan made mistakes, but who hasn't? Who hasn't made mistakes? Who hasn't had troubles? Who hasn't had perceptions about them? Who hasn't had people believe things about them that weren't true? Doesn't see a woman that over the ages we assume, assume things or perceive things. He is Messiah and he is Messiah for her. That again, and I'll say it again. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I said it last week. All really does. When we say all are welcome, all are, all are welcome to this table. This is the table of mercy for all people. What does that mean? All means all, really. There's no discussion here. There's no debate in this area about who is invited to come forward and take this meal, to experience this mercy. And Jesus is showing this right now. There is nobody outside of this. There is no one. All means all. Jesus doesn't take someone who's broken. Jesus chooses a person. Because the funny thing is, is Jesus is sitting by a well by himself before this, just waiting for her. Her, not somebody, her, this woman at the well, a child of God. I would ask the question, do you see yourself as a child of God? I would ask the question, do you have perceptions about yourself or about your neighbor? And ask the question, are they a child of God? Are you a child of God? As powerful as this story is of Jesus seeing the goodness in this person, the wonder the beautifulness, the brokenness of all of creation, you have that potential to be Christ for somebody. I want to be very honest. You have that potential. Every day you see people, you meet people, maybe not at a well, admittedly, but you do see people at the grocery store. You do see people in the parking lot that sometimes you call bozo, right? You see people around And you have the potential to either see them as bozo, broken, here's where they're different from me, here's what's wrong with them, here's where they've misstepped, here's where they've made mistakes, or you have the potential to be for that person, a person who says, I believe you are holy. I believe you're wonderfully made. I believe you're made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You have that potential. It, for me, it happened the other day. I, uh, I've told you I'm seeing an occupational therapist, a physical therapist. I don't want you guys to clap or anything. But I graduated from physical therapy, so. Yeah. That, yes, thank you, thank you. I am a physical freak. Look at me. No, um, no. I, uh, an occupational therapist is still working on that dexterity thing with the right hand. And when I'm writing, I was getting so frustrated because I uh, got to five dozen and I wrote five dozen. And I was like, oops. Mm, I keep going. She's like, so I think 
your brain's going a little faster than your hand. Slow down. Slow down. Everyone's saying slow down. I'm so sick of that. (sighs) But she's not wrong. My hand didn't work the way I wanted to. In fact, she pointed and she's like, there's a problem. There's there's a little, there's where you, like, look at where you're missing these letters. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am getting ahead of this. And she said, I want you to stop and think about this. Your hand isn't broken. It's not even non-functional. I just think you could benefit from going at a speed that fits your brain. Like, I think you would benefit from slowing down instead about using your hand as that guide, instead of your brain. I think you would benefit from just thinking about each word individually. Give each word its attention. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. She's like, I'm not saying it's broken. I'm not saying you're broken. I'm saying the hand is not going as fast as you want it to, and that's okay. That's just what it is. You're going to figure that out in time, but don't focus on speed. And I'm like, oh, I have the attention span of a hummingbird. I just want to be done. And she's like, no, no, just think about each word, which was great advice because I was angry. I was grumpy. I was ready to hear what's wrong. I was ready to hear what's not working, um, where I misstep. Just add that to the list of things that I want better. But she said, you don't need to do this and think of yourself as broken. You just need to go at a different speed. Work at a speed that works for everything, including your hand, which is truth. And I think that's truth that we could all hear. A message we could all hear that says, how are we going to be reminders, um, helpers of our neighbors that says, as coworkers, as friends, as strangers, you're not broken. You're beautiful. In fact, more than that, you're beloved. You are. Because that's the mission of the church. Right? Love God. Love neighbor. Be a gift. Reveal the good news. Job hasn't changed. Amen.